We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Barcelona Podcast, episode 134, and this will opinion brought to you by the most influential voices in the FC Barcelona community. I'm Dan Hilton, and I am joined by one of our first guests on the show, this time though coming all the way from Barcelona, but usually can be seen and heard with the Peña Blagrana Los Angeles, it's Jose Morataya. How are you doing today, Jose? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking, Dan. Appreciate it to be on the show one more time. Well, I am quite jealous because, again, you're currently in Barcelona, and I, I'm you're, I'm a little more spoiled than you. Again, going from New York to Barcelona is a much shorter flight than Los Angeles to Barcelona with a layover in between. Uh, what what took you across to, uh, I guess we'll call it the motherland? Uh, well, <laughs> this is a, a, a trip that we, uh, as a Peña, we organized it at the beginning of the season. And we just, you know, we put on a head of schedule, we put the athletic game, you know, as a, as a, pretty much as a deal to like you know like try to get our members going to uh for either a first time or whatever the case may be and uh you know selling the athletic game pretty much it sold himself and uh it was good game kind of no a game that uh, at the beginning of the season we thought it was gonna be a decisive game to pretty much decide the league and it turns out to be that way because the way it's going you know you win on saturday and chances are pretty good that the league will be ours. Right, that's exactly it. But the this winds up being not only a pivotal game, but the game for La Liga. And it is funny how the way the, the schedule always shakes out there. We always think of, you know, it's not like you're trying to capture a treble all within a week of each other. But, I mean, we're at the beginning of April, and the way that Barcelona has played La Liga, a win here, and, and it's all over, as you'd think. Uh, it would be all over without a you know cataclysmic collapse. But then the Copa del Rey comes down to one just one game, and then Champions League still has so much work to do because of it's just a schedule. You can't get Champions League done sooner. It's just the way the schedule works. So it, it was a great match for for all of you to pick. And um, for as scared as people and negative as people always are on FC Barcelona Twitter, and Atletico Madrid is coming off a good win in La Liga. Atletico Madrid have not covered themselves in glory much this year they've been having a pretty difficult spring uh may have you so you know that uh, Ernesto Alverde is going to go with his you know main 11 the, the the guys that he wants to see there and while Dembele is the only one out injured you know I expect to see 
a pretty good match for you guys. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, obviously Valverde situation. I don't know this this season is a little bit you know like for a lot of fans it's like in between like some they support and some they don't. Uh, you don't know what you're gonna expect with the lineup. I think towards the end of the season now you really can see what Valverde is gonna put in. But at the same time, you know, it's, 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 it's been hard after, especially after Tuesday match when, you know, you went up 2-0 and, you know, for some reason, you know, they relaxed. It seems a little bit off, but hopefully, you know, like it seems like when the, the team needed to play good, they, you know, they they responded. They, they showed that this season. And I think they know pretty much this is a final on Saturday and, and they will play hard. Well, as we get into this show, we're got, we've got a listener question about Ernesto Valverde, but that is our fifth of five questions because today is going to be a little different for you normal listeners of the Barcelona podcast. Today we are doing a, I guess you'd call it a La Ronda special in a format that is becoming quite popular in the podcasting world across a lot of the different ones that I listen to. And yes, I actually listen to a ton of podcasts as well, just again, trying to figure out what's best for our show and what works for other shows. And so today we've got a five Listener question special coming your way. And all of these, of course, come from our closed Facebook group at tvpod.link backslash group. And there are a few questions that we did have to drop this week that some are related to Manchester United. And no worries with the Wednesday matchup against Man U next week. We are going to have plenty of content coming out from both the podcast, also on the YouTube channel. So never fear. There's a lot of Man United on the way. So those questions were dropped. And so we've got just these five listener questions. Kicking us off is our first one from Untas, who asks, would you swap Felipe Coutinho for Paulo Dybala of Juventus? And I guess, Jose, there's two ways to look at this. First, I want to hear your knee-jerk reaction, and then let's break down some of the numbers. But first, let's start with your knee-jerk reaction. Coutinho for Dybala, would you just swap that straight up? Uh, No. For for Dybala, I would just keep Coutinho as it is right now. You know, you got a player, you got a Coutinho that has been in our Liga for about a year. You're going to bring another player that he's not adapted to La Liga and for how he's been playing whenever he plays with Argentina with Messi it doesn't seem like to click and at least Coutinho you got those sparks when uh, sometimes they click with Suarez and and Messi so I think for me as a now first reaction would be no I'll keep Coutinho for that trade I'll keep him yeah I, I don't know what you think yeah, I think this. We'll start with the Messi point. This is it's it's a multifaceted answer. When even regard to Messi, where not only does DiBala normally set up on the right wing, so now that we have Cristiano Ronaldo set up on the left wing at Juventus, that he not only stays on the right wing and then cuts in very Coutinho esque, if you will. Um, he is a little more of a playmaker, though. Coutinho, if Messi is not in the lineup, does you know, kind of become or take more of a uh, facilitating playmaking role on. And Dybala, Dybala then would really have no position. And that goes back to going back to our, every time with Argentina or particularly the World Cup. When Argentina are screaming out for a playmaker, they need somebody to figure things out. And because in the preparation of the World Cup, and it was Lanzini for West Ham, who in the build-up to the World Cup seemed to be the playmaker that Argentina were going to be starting the center of the of the pitch, but then all of a sudden he gets injured, goes down for the World Cup, and instead of moving DiBala into that 
position where he is more of an attacking midfielder than he is uh, up top in a in a forward three or a forward two. It's Javier Mascherano in the midfield, and where he probably would have been anyway, but instead you have Mascherano starting and playing basically the full 90 in every single match, and Dybala just sits on the bench because there was really no spot spatially for him. Instead, it's Pavan on one side, or Mesa, who has proven not to be this extraordinary talent either. They opt to go with him instead, and while this is more of an indictment of of Argentina than it is of Dybala's individual talent, you even look at the stats for these two this year. Coutinho... 43 matches, 10 goals, 5 assists. Now, Dybala, who's been a little more injured than Coutinho, but if we remember, Coutinho missed about a month, too, with injury. 35 matches, 9 goals, so 1 goal less, 6 assists, 1 assist more. So for all the criticism of Coutinho, for all the the uh, the naysayers saying that he has not produced at all this year at Barcelona, Juventus almost have a similar situation on their hands with Dybala, with almost identical, uh, just swapping out a goal for an assist from Dybala this season for Juventus. And I think, again, that goes back to the answer here that playing at Barcelona takes time to assimilate and it's not easy. And sometimes it takes those more mercurial attacking talents like Coutinho, like Dembele, a lot longer to get accustomed to Barcelona than it does even, uh, I guess, what we used to see from Lingley, where he just slots right in and everything works out fine. Or Arthur, you know. Or Arthur, Arthur perfect. Another... Perfect, yep. Yeah. It's, yeah, there's some players that, they, you know, that they're, they just get that, how do you say that? They just fit right in, right? You know, they don't need that much of a, to adapt. And there are the players that it's going to take some time. It takes, you know, like you said, like you mentioned, Dembele, it took some time for it. He didn't, I remember the first year, a lot of, you know, people were criticizing him. And now it's pretty much shutting a, a lot of mouths because, you know, he's, he's been stepping on He's we miss him as, as a matter of fact we've been missing him in these couple games and uh we continue uh, it's you know it's it's a role that i think he hasn't been able to fit his uh play his right position like wherever he feels more comfortable and and like i said you know it's it's different i'm playing in barcelona so much talent you got you know messi you got suarez so much midfield with rakitic with Busquets that you know it's it's hard to find your spot you know between all that yeah for sure it's and uh, along with the same lines of carving out a space and taking that time to get accustomed uh, to what you need to do we're going to transition right into our second question of the day it actually comes from the Barcelona podcast administrator and uh, my cough wife cough (laughs) Rosie where does Malcolm fit with Barcelona so we're going to stick up with that forward line and I, I I know that Malcolm has been impressive of late but Jose going back to how he arrived at the club how do you think Malcolm has found his way at the Camp No? and do you find that it's just going to be a young player who if given more time will get more accustomed to the city or do you think that his ceiling is is too low where it almost reminds you of Delafeu where how good was Delafeu going to be he was never clearly going to be a starter so just forget about it but it seems like Malcolm is is happy with a substitute role happy with a bench role and where do you see his future at the camp now well I, I see him with a long-term future for us um, unfortunately I don't I haven't seen Valverde put a lot of trust in him uh, as of now with the current team he, as you mentioned, he has accepted his role as a sub, and I think he sees himself 
in in the long term being a starter. And I'm talking when you know when we lose a striker because eventually we're gonna lose either Suarez. He's 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 soon to be you know uh, out of Barcelona based on his age. Messi, like it or not, you know he's gonna come a day that he's not gonna be there no more, or he's just gonna be playing less time, and that's when uh, you know Malcolm type of players they're gonna be ready for it. And his attitude is being always a hundred percent, and that's something that. You know, me as a fan, I, I appreciate that because, you know, he, he's not demanding minutes. He's not there doing faces when he doesn't play. It's all the opposite. And unfortunately, right now, there's no... When Dembele is on top of his game, I, I don't see uh, a, spot, a spot for Malcolm on the starting eleven. But like I said, once these two big names are, you know, like not playing the whole 90 minutes, that's when... Uh, that's when he comes in, and uh, he will give you like that energy, like Pedro used to, you know, bring it back in the days. You know, when you put him in, like in the second half, and he will spark the team. That's something that I see from Malcolm doing, and he has done it the times that he has played. Yeah, I'd love to answer this with some naivete that we know the future of the club when it we are not, we are finally living in a and which will be sooner a post Luis Suarez world than a post Messi world. That you're going to need some you know, some other talent at the club. And obviously when when Messi does finally hang up his boots or takes on a more limited role, that you know that the club is going to splash major, major money on potential replacements. But that said, I think, again, answering with some naivete and some tongue-in-cheek, until proven otherwise, until we know who those guys might be to, re- to try to, obviously, it's impossible, but to try to replace those attacking talents on Suarez and Messi, you have to think that either the answer already has to be at the club or, and obviously Dembele will take a much larger role, but it, the answer already has to be at the club, or the answer is in La Masia. And when I look at the wing position in La Masia, other than, uh, yes, Abel Ruiz plays sometimes on the wing, but he really should be a number nine striker as a, as a, as a future talent, wherever he may be. And so Ansu Fati, who we've mentioned just briefly on the show, he's only 16 years old, and He's a big part of the UEFA Youth League campaign they have. But again, I, I think the most promising winner in the, winger in the academy at the moment is just 16 years old. So he is quite a few years and quite a few ways away. I, I think it's wing depth is not something that at the top levels of La Masia uh, you see a whole lot of at the moment. It just seems to be a, a, a shallow position at the top, top level to potentially contribute to Barcelona in the future. And Malcolm this year still has played for all the things of him being frozen out. Uh, he still played in 17 matches this year, seven of those coming since the new year, uh, and so obviously doing the math 10 uh, before the new year. And seven appearances, it, it, yes, it's sparingly, but it's not like he's been completely shut down by Valverde. Just in the last week, he had a goal and assist against Villarreal and an assist against Espanyol, and I don't think it's a Malcolm issue per se even. I think it's that Messi plays on the right, and Malcolm, who has played six games at left wing and 11 games at right wing, it's on the right wing that he's most comfortable, and it's on that right wing that he scored his four goals and collected his two assists. If Messi isn't being rotated, then Malcolm is in direct competition with Dembele and Coutinho, and he's clearly third on that depth chart. So, again, this is no fault of Malcolm's, and I think he is earning time and earning minutes, but we're just getting to that point in the season when it's time to win trophies. And I think it's not in spite of his... I don't think we're going to derail his career by having him sit for Lino Messi. Does that make sense? And when Dembele's back and healthy, you go with Dembele, Suarez, and Messi in, in basically every match for the rest of the year. We've got two months to win 
potentially three trophies. So that's just going to way it's going to be the way it's going to be. And those two months are not again, as you said, going to derail his career because if he sticks around at Barcelona and if he sticks around longer than the likes of Suarez, Messi, and and Ernesto Valverde, he's only 24, 23 in a few. I mean, we're talking three years down the road. He's still only 24, 25 years old and entering the prime of his career. So again, I think I almost talked myself into being very hopeful about Malcolm. Yeah, correct. Like, yeah, definitely. Because I mean, the like the way it's like the way I said it is like he 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 knows his role. He's adapting it to it, and and that's something that you know he, he if he takes it like that, continue taking it like that, he's just gonna you know it's gonna get better. And then who knows? He might earn that spot for you know keep fighting. How about this? Question number three from Douglas. Would you sell Untiti? And, oh boy, Jose. What do you, I, again, I want to get your first impression of this one. Uh, I, I, I've I been pretty quiet about where I stand on it, so I'd love to hear you. Oh, so that's it? Just what, uh, would you sell uh, Untiti? Well, it's not a yes or no question. I think this is a please explain your answer. So it's a would you sell Untiti <laughs> and why? Uh, this is an open-ended uh we're gonna we're gonna grade on points. This isn't just multiple choice, you know. There's no <laughs> there's no yes or no. But uh, no, no, no. I thought it was I thought it was gonna be a, uh, another uh, longer question than just that. But yeah, no. Uh, Selim Titi. After after from what I saw from you know this season from him, like not accepting the medical recommendation of him, uh, you know, getting a, a medical treatment for his knee, uh, and then I will just. I would just say yes. I mean, my first my first reaction when you asked when you heard the question, it was like yes, just for the fact that, uh, like it or not, we found a replacement. Uh, Linglet has been solid, you know. Uh, he's been like he's been there. Like if we haven't pretty much uh, missed Umtiti at all through the whole season, and I'm just my yes answer is just pretty much based on on Umtiti's attitude. Towards uh, towards his decision of not getting a surgical uh, procedure on his knee, because if he would have got it done early in the season, yeah, he probably might be coming back right now, which is kind of like what is happening right now. But at least you know his knee would be more close to a hundred percent being healthy. Now is just treatment where he can just fall again on, on, on that knee problem and, and then what? He's going to need surgery for sure and then he's going to miss more time. Uh, my decision is pretty much based on the attitude. Like, you know, that's something you as a professional, I understand that you want to play, that you want to, you don't want to miss the whole season, but you got to see that, you know, a doctor, he, which is another professional, he's telling you that you need surgery. Uh, I think, I'm you know, I'm going to listen to the doctor and then, you know, like, if the club wants me, they're gonna wait for me. You know, like he's been proved last year that he's one of the best defenders in the world once once he's fully healthy. Not being responsible in that aspect to me is is just it's a no for me. You know, it's kind of like disrespectful in my opinion. Yeah, I think that's a that's basically the thought experiment that we're going through is that with that knee injury because of the way he's handled it. It seems like he's handled it personally. And again, you really, when it comes to injuries, you never really know what kind of advice they're getting. And this is coming from Barcelona sources that they told him this thing and he denied 
uh, or he refused to go about it the way the club wanted to go. And you don't know where those sources are coming from. So, uh, and it doesn't sound like a lot of information has come out of the Umtiti camp either. And he has played now five times since we got these uh, worries about the knee injury. And when it comes to those center backs, he is 25 years old. So I think that's a big question that must be asked as well is, is he worth, and at the moment, until he goes down again, any club that purchases him knows that they're purchasing somebody who was a top, maybe three defender in the world last year. I remember being on record many times on the show last year when we just, we saw everything that he did, his closeout, his anticipation, his, his body, uh, just, I mean, his strength, just crowding guys off the ball. Just, he was unbelievable at times last season and we know how good he can be. We know how good he was for France in the World Cup. And it, it is puzzling to me in at, at the nadir of his career at the age of 25. So I'm going to just I'm going to pop up his uh, peak from usually a 27, 28. And I'm going to move that forward just a bit because I think, again, with knee injuries like that, that's going to take a year or two or three off at the back end of his career. So let's move that up a little bit. And my worry then, you know, still becomes that if this is a permanent thing, if, if this is forever going to be just knee injuries over and over again, then Barcelona have to sell now. And it's almost out of necessity that if they're going to bring in Delict, then you have to sell him TT because you're going to sell him for the most that he's ever going to be worth. It's just as a sheer business decision, that's how I see it. And, you know, it's not a knee-jerk reaction to how he played against Villarreal because, again, he's coming back from a major knee injury that is still lingering and just the way that they played with Alba and Roberto pushed up on the wings and Langley and Umtiti, both left-footed center backs who had never played together, if I'm not mistaken, had never been the partnership at the back in an important La Liga match like that, that they were completely, their spacing was off, their timing was off, they had never really worked together. Um, and yeah, you'd expect that in training they would have figured those things out, but I would also assume that PK is usually at that right left uh, right center back spot in, even in training as well. And uh, so... My, it seems like Barcelona have a buildup of of left of left footed center backs, but my thing says that if Barcelona are able to raise funds, and whether it's Coutinho who leaves, whether you think that they can raise enough through the through the sells the sellings of Denis Suarez and Andre Gomes and whoever or whoever else will say you know farther down the depth chart might be out the door. If you think you can get enough and keep him TD, I think you do that. I think you just trust that. Because of how good he's been in the past, if there's a belief that he can get back to 100%, I think you let bygones be bygones. And so at, at the moment, unless some information comes out or the club knows something and he knows something that we don't know about his knee and his future, I, I think I'm going to have to disagree and say no with this one, Jose. <laughs> All right, sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, under, it's, it's, it's understandable. No, I, I do. Like, I mean, you can't take away that the last season you know like when you said it you know we we saw everything out of him we saw what he can do also in the world cup so yeah i mean like i said once he's in, in his top uh notch of his uh performance he's he's one of the best defenders in the world that's no 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 discussion there but like you said yeah if if something else is going on in his knee then yeah that would be more like a business decision for barcelona to do it and it would be an easy one to do of course you know because you don't want to keep uh, a player that might get injured, you know, and then for what? So he'd be sitting on the bench? Well, yep. not even on the bench, but yeah. Yep. Well, we've got a much easier question, number four, from Rick uh, about another guy uh, who 
we thought he had some injury issues, but it seems like he just uh, has a lack of enthusiasm and is a disappointment in training. Um, so, Jose, I'm assuming with where we stood on Umtiti, you, we're definitely going to, instead of, we're going to use that as Umtiti funds to purchase Kevin Prince Boateng. Am I correct? Is that what we're going to do? As this question from Riss asks, uh, should he play or should he play after we win the Liga or just never have him play again? Uh, I mean, he definitely has to play one of the Liga games just to give some rest to Suarez. But uh, I would say probably maybe the only game that he's probably going to play maybe Wesca in a couple of weeks because definitely we're going to need to rest players there for our second leg of champions after that. But uh, I really, I really don't understand who who made that call to bring that player if he was not gonna play. And then, like you said, I don't know if it's injured or not. There's some reports that he's been injured. There's some or none. Uh, I, I really, I don't even know. Like yeah. if this was a Valverde decision. If yeah. This was, I don't know, just to find somebody for because Munir left. Like, in my opinion, like I even told. My Pena uh, members over there is like, if that was the case to bring Boateng for one million. I know we sold Munir for one million, but if he was to have somebody on the bench and probably injured, I'd rather just keep Munir. I know Munir wanted to play, but at least Munir or, or wanted to play and leave. But I mean, you bring a player that hasn't obviously just played La Liga, but hasn't played with the team, so they don't know, he doesn't know the team. At that point, I would have just kept Munir and said, Munir, you stay with us until the end of the season and then you can go. Because if we need you, you're going to play for us. But I don't know. That's something that I would have done. With Boateng, I had no idea what happened there. And Barcelona is a big team on, on Kumbaya and Unity in that locker room. And he has never proven to be a guy that is... He seems to be well-liked as a good teammate. But it's not like he's he needs to add much to a, a fractured locker room. You know what I mean? It's not like he's the glue that's going to hold everything together. It's they have their culture already that he could either he was either going to make it worse or just you know join a clubhouse that always already seems to be uh, pretty well accustomed and, and getting along and has their rhythm and their rhyme. Um, and, and in the two matches he played this year, first leg against Sevilla in the, in the Copa del Rey back in January, a two nothing loss, mind you. Uh, to Sevilla, and then that ugly one nothing win over Real Valladolid in February are his two appearances in a Barcelona shirt, and I think that's where you leave it at. And my other thing, too, is that I know Valverde has not even been putting the Barca B players on the bench, but at the moment, with uh, uh, under Francisco Pimiento, they're currently fighting to numerically stay alive for potential promotion to the Segunda Division, but uh, I think numerically, they're, I think, one loss and another win from one of the top uh, six teams uh, or four or five teams, whatever's above them. They're basically one loss or two losses away from basically being mathematically unable to rise back up for a, a potential spot to even compete for a promotion. So if, if there comes a time and Barca B are you know, going to just be stuck in that third division for next year as well then there's no reason why, again, we don't see an Al Ruiz or we don't see... Uh, I mean, we know that Carlos Alenia can also play on the wing. So if you're playing against Wesca, you put Alenia on the wing and you put Malcolm at the nine, and then you don't think twice about it. I, I think it's time for Prince Boateng. There are so many other potential options. And uh, again, with the way Barca B is, is, uh, is 
you know, basically going to be eliminated, then I'd love to see just a one-off game for an Alvarez or somebody, particularly if Barcelona get the three points against Atletico Madrid, and then you'd think that La Liga is also going to be done and dusted uh, over over this weekend. So you're going to have a little more legroom there. So I would love to see Valverde stretch his legs a little bit uh, there. And so I don't expect to see Prince Boateng or Mario for the rest of their time. And this one is going to be, again, he was on a loan. I think this is one of those that... He's going to show up on lists someday down the road, you know, worst Barcelona loanee signings ever, that kind of thing. And that's, I think, the only place he's going to fit. Oh, I mean, he might get a trophy or two as well to to raise at the end of the year and tell his family and friends and to to point some more fingers at his brother, Jerome Boateng, and that's about it. Yep, well, he will raise trophies. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> yep, 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 for sure. Yeah. And, <laughs> and we have been talking about Valverde, so let's get to our final listener question. This one from Andre, and I'm going to mix it in, actually, with one from Eric. So I am cheating. We're basically five, five and a half questions here. So Andre okay. asks, does EV rely on star power to win games? And Eric asks, has Barcelona learned from the Roma game, and is Valverde trusted to lead us to Champions League glory? And I can't tell, Jose, if you know these questions are in response to what happened with Villarreal and I think I also want to start this by framing my mindset at the at the moment that I think yes, the Champions League because it's a knockout game is going to be is there's so much more weight in those matches because it's knockout than what's happening in the league at the moment. So I don't think of it as Barcelona dropping two points, but they had zero points and then through Messi and through Suarez they come on as subs, they got some rest and they find a way to will themselves to victory. And so I said this on our, our Patreon. Uh, where we do the match reviews over at patreon.com, that the will to win of this team is not the same as last year. I think this is a mentally different team, an emotionally different team than it was a season ago, where PK and Rakitic and Messi and Suarez are playing with not a confidence that they don't have, because obviously they're some of the best in the world. They obviously have loads and loads of confidence, but they're playing with a desire in that final 20 minutes that makes me believe that they would have gotten additional goal last year at Roma. I I, I, I do truly believe that. I, I have positive thoughts, and I think Valverde has instilled that confidence in them in year two. So I, I it's of course he relies on his stars to win games, but I, I think that his rotation is fine. I, I'm not I'm not worried that our bench is going to have us lose everything. I think our, our starters are operating in a way that it's time to bring home some trophies. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, the rotations, uh, they've been, lately, in the, late in the season, they've been, they've been good. Like, uh, I, I'm, I'm part of it. You know, you have to do it. There, there are times uh, to do so. And there's sometimes like, you know, like when you expect them to be done, you know, he hasn't done it. And he, like, you know, back to your point, like to the Roma game, you know, like, oh, why he didn't do it, you know? And uh, it's, it's that's that's something that I kind of like criticize a little bit from Valverde is that you know like you have to have a little bit more trust in you know in in, in your bench is either 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 uh, from a B player from the B team players or just your just your bench you know like uh, perfect example this season you know like I think if we were to play more Malcolm this season uh, we probably would have on Malcolm, a more reliable player when we needed it to on, on games like uh, when, you know, we couldn't, you know, we couldn't score because the other team was parking the bus or, 
they just simply were playing a little bit better when we needed to spread the, the, the field. And fortunately, our, our starting 11 weren't, weren't doing it. So, yeah, with Valverde, it's to me, it's like a hit and miss sometimes. Uh, I, I got him like he would get it right sometimes, but then in, a, in another game, he would like, like, I don't know, like, why, why would you do that move or why you would, would you wait, you know, so long? Sometimes it lost me. I think in this season was when I think we were down to one in Valencia in the first uh, in the first leg of the season, and I think we were down to one. And I think after the game, they asked him, uh, "Why did you wait to do changes until like close to the 90 minutes?" And and he said that because he didn't think that we needed it. And I'm like, we were losing to one. I think we ended up tying the game. But it's like we, you know, we needed it, and he's like, and his response was like, "No, we, we didn't need it at the moment." A sub. I'm like, obviously, our starting eleven was losing the game, so you you definitely need a little bit of spark. You need something to change it up because they're not doing it. Yeah, I'm interested to see uh, moving forward, and I hope I don't see this moving forward. That when he has his different formations this year, again, last year was really just that 4-4-2 that he was utilizing. This year, because of the, we'll say, the reemergence of Usmani Dembele, uh, and hopefully, again, he comes back for Man U, and he's clicking and 100% for Man U next Wednesday. But I think between the 4-3-3 and that 4-4-2, that he has different options so far this year. He has different things that he can do, and the addition of Arter and Arturo Vidal to that midfield, I think has been such an important part of that rotation that we think of them all as starters in in the back of our minds because of how many matches Vidal has started. But if you're playing a 4-3-3, then Busquets, Rakitic, Vidal, and Artur pick three of the four. So when the other one is starting in a 4-3-3, it's a rotation, but then we've also seen all four of them in a 4-4-2, and it's really dependent on his formation. So my question for him is going to be, when push comes to shove, you know, God forbid you go down in a big Champions League tie or a big just one individual match is is he going to be brave enough to change things up when they have to be changed up not just in personnel but even maybe formation if he gets it wrong is he going to be able to admit and adapt in throughout a match that it was wrong or is it just going to be a messy Suarez you know please save us is, is that going to be the situation uh with Valverde and you know I, I think that leads you to a point where you have to Again, just not to put faith in Valverde throughout the rest of the season, but understand that he knows his personnel well and he's going to utilize them in that way. Yeah, I think he. my first thought when you were uh, commenting that, my first reaction was like, I think he will, just because, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was against Betty's game mm-hmm. that he played 4-4-2. And that actually benefited us because he stopped the Betty's midfielders, and, and and you know we did what we did last season. You know we were solid in, right. in the back. Yeah, like like I said, I, I think based on that, I think he will. But then I'm I'm having second thoughts in my thought because he probably did that. Yes, because he 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 understood that what he did on the first game was bad against uh, Betis, but also Dembélé was injured. So technically, you know, he's 
you're taking away that equation that like put in the 4-3-3 because Dembélé was injured. So, you know, again, I think he 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 can do it. He can probably say, you know what, I'm gonna change the formation because it's the best for the game, for whatever specific game that is gonna be played. But at the same time, I don't know when if everybody's healthy. Uh, uh, I don't know if he's gonna be able to like say, you know what, yeah, let's change it just because the fact that he understands that the four three three, you know, the top three are gonna be the ones that might be able to score, you know. Uh, it's hard with Valverde. It's hard to read. It's, it's hard to read Valverde. So he definitely, like I said, for me, it's like a hit and miss. Sometimes it's like I thought he was gonna miss, and he turned out to hit a home run with the lineup. And like sometimes it's like, oh, okay, he did the right lineup, and it turned out to be bad. But then is that is that fair to say that that's Valverde's fault? You know, like right. when we think he put the the right lineup, and then they they lose. It's like like this perfect game. Like for example, Villarreal game. You know, we went up 2-0. And if we, if uh, for example, Coutinho would have scored that, uh, the the ball that hit the, the post, it would be 3-0. I, I'm pretty sure the game would be almost over, literally there, because I, I I really don't think Villarreal would have come back from all three. Yeah. But because you know, because they came back from the all two, and now uh, there's some people you know saying that it's Valverde's fault. And like to me, it was like not really because we were winning 2-0 and that was not you know and that was Valverde's decision of you know doing those changes and we were winning so in this one it was more of the players that they relaxed it and and they just couldn't you know like continue doing what they were doing when they were not 2-0 yep yeah let the other team grow yeah for sure and uh there's a reason we haven't mentioned we mentioned the name in Artur but the reason we haven't even touched on some of the rumors about him this week and his lifestyle whatever what have you I think it's all that tabloid garbage and I think I you know I said it on last week's show that Artur has played he went from the Brazilian league straight into La Liga and as we saw with Paulinho when he had a huge drop off in the second half last year it's a difficult thing to play for basically almost over a year of of constant um, league action and I think it's weighing on his legs and, you know, the, whatever it is that you read about protein shakes or partying or whatever it have you, I think you can disparage that. Again, he's a very young player and he, I think, has the maturity already to understand that if he does, the, if he's doing the wrong things, I, I mean, if you have to answer to Messi and you're, you know what I mean? You look across the locker room and you're doing the wrong thing and you're going to let your team down and you have to look Messi in the eye and be and say, you know, my lifestyle is putting your trophies in jeopardy. I don't think any player in the world has the call to do that. And so I, I think, again, it's just a matter of trusting that the player is doing the right things and, you know, don't don't necessarily read into all the things that, you know, that you're told with all the, that kind of gossipy uh, news-related things. And then, you know, the final point on this already that I do want to make, too, is that, you know, with the NBA season winding down, I look at, you know, the, the Milwaukee Bucks, and I can't believe I'm talking about the Milwaukee Bucks on a Barcelona podcast, but they have a, a, a Coach of the Year candidate in Mike Budenholzer. They have a MVP candidate in Giannis Antetokounmpo, which is this, you know, transcendent athlete at the moment. Um, and then they also have, you know, in their front office, who made these some of these personnel decisions and all these things. And, you know, does each, does trying to give credit to each of those individuals take away something from all the rest is a question I think that you know, they're asking in NBA voting circles if you can vote for those awards. And I think the same can be said of, of Valverde because Messi's always going to get the credit. He's always going to get the credit when, when Barcelona are doing well and he's an important part of it 
of what we've seen in 98% of the, the, the games over the last 10 years that Barcelona wins, Messi is playing a major, major hand in it. And for Valverde, how much credit are we going to give him if Barcelona wins? And it does seem like it comes off the back of Messi. Was But, I mean, how can we ever know that it was something or a reason that Valverde, something he said or something that he instilled in the team, um, tactically even, that got them over that final hump? And I don't think we're ever going to know that. And I think it'll just be how many trophies does he win? And any appreciation of Valverde, any true appreciation will come after he's gone. Yeah, definitely. It's it's going to be hard, especially, yeah, because like you said, there's tactically wise, there's, I, I, I don't think there's, we haven't figured it out, you know, what, what does he do? You know, like, and it's hard, like, because you could say you could say that with Pep team, you could say that with Lucho team, and with Tito too. You know, but I mean, they all come from the same thing. Well, Alberto definitely is a different mentality, and mm-hmm. it is gonna be hard. You know, it's, everything's gonna be based on you know the trophies and everything, and it's gonna be it's gonna be a hard one to give him all the credit. I think everybody's probably gonna prove the players did it. Obviously, Messi, which he has, you know, saved us. A lot of times this season, but yeah, that's true. That's what you do when when you're the best, you know. Like you look at the best players in other sports, you know. Like they have to come up when they have to come up, and they win the games for their teams, you know. But with Alverde, he will be hard to give him a, a little bit of credit just for the fact that he has established his like something that you can say, you know, this is this is how Alverde plays. This is how Alverde, you know put players into the pitch and, and do what they do. It, it, I don't think nobody has figured it out yet. Well, Jose, I have to give you a lot of credit because you could be eating paella right now in Barcelona, but instead you came on the Barcelona podcast to talk to me and go through our five listener questions today. So plenty of thanks to you. And I also want to ask, where can people find you? And uh, I'd like you to give a little pitch for not only your Pena in Los Angeles, but all the Penas. Oh, no problem. At any time, I you know, appreciate you guys having us, you know, like, in your show, anything, it, it's it's great to be in here. And no problem for me, you know, I can take a little break from a little craziness outside. It's chilly outside, so I, I, it's cool. I'm a little bit warm over here. Oh, it's Barcelona you know, chilly. I don't, <laughs> I don't want to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, you know, for our listeners uh, and whoever, you know, it's from a L.A. area, or might want to visit LA, which we do get a lot of visits. And you can find us on social media at Peña Barça LA in all of our social uh, media. And um, right now we're pretty much located in Pasadena, but a uh, little bit of announcement: uh, we're gonna be moving starting next season. We're gonna be moving in uh, to uh, Hollywood. And uh, if you follow one of our social media, then uh, you you'll see the new address in there and it's going to be a better place. It's going to be big. You know, we're going to be able to hold more people, more capacity. There's uh, more TVs and uh, projector screens for everybody. And I said, you know, Pena is getting bigger. So we need something bigger to accommodate everybody. Yeah. We've got some great Pena's in some of our, uh, some of our great cities. Uh, at least here in the United States and, and abroad as well. I On Instagram, you see all these different global penas, and uh, it is quite a wonderful community to be a part of, and I'm glad that you are a part of this community on the Barcelona Podcast today, you the listeners. So, again, thanks for tuning in. 
can tap in your app and check out the show notes to subscribe to the show. You can also find us on social media. We're on Twitter at the Barcelona Pod or at Hilton D13 for me and on Instagram at the Barcelona Pod. Our closed Facebook group is gibbypod.link backslash group where we do deeper dives and discussions. And you can also get your listener questions for listener question specials like this on our normal edition of La Ronda. You can also help us on Patreon, as I mentioned in the show, to continue making these shows at tbpod.link backslash Patreon, where, again, we also do the match reviews. And we're also on YouTube now, so keep an eye out there. We've got some Main United content on the way and in the pipe. Now, that's the Barcelona podcast on YouTube. Please subscribe and hit that that button uh, to get involved over there as well. So thanks again for listening to the Barcelona podcast. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.